All right, welcome back to the Sports Media Watch podcast. This is Jean Lewis, joined as always by Drew Lerner. If you have not already, please subscribe to the SMW podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's dive on in today. We have no guest into the big rating story of the weekend, and that would be college football. So it's not really a rating story. It's a college football story. But Everything in college football is about the media business and uh, how the conferences relate to each other in that hierarchy. So uh, Florida State left out of the playoff despite going 13-0, and uh, and Alabama got in despite going 12-1. and Now, obviously, Alabama beat Georgia and lost to Texas, another playoff team. Florida State didn't have a win as good as Alabama's win, and uh, even though they didn't have a loss, ultimately... Uh, I think most people perceive Alabama as, as being the superior team, but we're not a college football podcast, so we're talking to the media aspect. I think people also suspect that ratings are a factor with the committee's decision-making, and the ratings from the uh, championship weekend bear out the decision to put Alabama in and not Florida State. And to be clear, Florida State is one of the top draws in college football uh, historically. Traditionally, people like to watch Florida State And viewership for Florida State's win over Louisville doubled Clemson's win over North Carolina in the ACC title game a year ago. Uh, So Florida State is a big draw. I don't know if all things being equal, Florida State is as big a draw as Alabama, but they are in Alabama's neighborhood. And uh, so I'm not trying to diminish Florida State at all as a a draw. Uh, I will say, though, Florida State had the least watched of the Power Five title games. There went over Louisville, 7 million viewers. Very strong number, but the least watched of the Power Five games. Alabama's went over Georgia, 17 million. The college football playoff is a TV product. Alabama just got 10 million more viewers, albeit against less competition than Florida State did. We know Alabama's a bigger draw generally, and especially if Florida State is going to be compromised. And, you know, I was actually watching live when Jordan Travis had that uh, leg injury. Uh, you know, and uh, that, that was the end of the season for Florida State. It is what it is. It's not right, but college football is really the one sport where your ratings actually do impact your ability to succeed on the field. It's the one sport where that's true. And uh, for Florida State, you know, their season came to an end uh, on the CW against South Alabama or North Alabama, whichever Alabama it was. And that's just uh, that's just the way it is. Drew, I'll bring you in. You know, I don't really think, um, I don't really buy into the conspiracy that those committee members making the decision on who's in or out of the college football playoff are actually at least consciously thinking about ratings or TV draw. This is probably something that maybe in the back of their heads plays a factor, but I think they genuinely are trying to find the four as they have constantly said and that we've constantly heard the last few days the four best teams right it's always been this debate best or deserving it's clear that this year they went with the four best teams although it's hard to then rationalize that with the fact that florida state was ahead of teams like georgia or ohio state um at five six seven right that being said i think bigger picture here john i think this is kind of existential for college football how how can we play a sport have a team go 13 and 0 in a power five conference win all their games right keep them out of the playoff how can you get fans of teams that aren't in that top 
five to 10 range, you know, the, the powerful teams with that draw the biggest ratings, how can anyone outside of those fan bases buy in to watching this thing? I mean, I don't understand how anyone outside of Florida state, Ohio state, Michigan, and some sec schools can care about this sport. I mean, there's no justice here, John. Uh, it, it's it's mind boggling to me. And I think between all that and the transfer portal on NIL, it's all such a mess. It just it seems there's no justice in this sport at all. It's just pay to win. I, it, nothing about it is appealing to me anymore. And I understand it's kind of, I think a lot of the viewership is probably just habit. You know, we like football. Saturdays are for college football. We like to tailgate. The pageantry of it all is great. But when it comes to the on-field competition, I think the games are as uncompetitive as they've ever been. There's the least parity that there's ever been. And I just don't understand how this can be a sustainable product, even when we go to a 12-team playoff. Well, it's because it's American football. And American football is tremendously popular in this country. And, uh, the, you know, you look at the NFL, all their quarterbacks are hurt. The ratings are still great because it's, you know, it's, it's American football. I think for a lot of people, what you talk about isn't a problem because most fans are not going into a season expecting to contend. So I don't think there's a lot of fan bases who are exiting this season feeling really down about the sport, maybe at James Madison, but then they, they lost that game that would have, you know, so they, they weren't really wronged. You know, Florida state is the rare case where a team did nothing wrong and, and still ends up on the outside looking in. I mean, that hasn't happened since the BCS era of, a, of, of two teams in the title game. Hasn't happened since probably what Auburn, you know, for USC, you know, three, uh, maybe again, the years mixed up, but you know, it, it's been a long time and, you know, it, it has a material impact by the way, on the ratings, or at least it did in the BCS era. When you had Miami, Nebraska, people didn't think that was the right matchup and the ratings weren't good. LSU, Oklahoma, the year that USC beat Michigan in the Rose bowl and claimed a, a share of the national title, LSU, Oklahoma did not do well that year. So the the fans do sometimes register their disapproval through the ratings, but it's just been a long time since we've had one of these happen. You know, I, I don't really buy the premise that fan bases don't care about contending, right? These are, you know, college football fans are probably the most irrational fan bases in all of American sports, right? Just look at how much money that even programs like, you know, Mississippi State or, you know, Illinois or, you know, these non-traditional power five schools are still pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into their college football programs, right? They don't do that without the intention of eventually contending on a national stage, right? I know a lot of it's just keeping up with the Joneses, but like at the end of the day, these fan bases aren't paying all this money to be a six and six school and go to the frosted flakes bowl or whatever. Yeah. But you take issue with your coach, your AD, you don't take issue with the sport, right? You know, FSU is in the rear position of having to take issue with the sport. James Madison was earlier this year, you know, and that does happen actually with some frequency. The NCAA is always wronging somebody Michigan feels wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't see it reflecting on the sport just because there's always somebody to blame that's within your general sphere of control, particularly with teams that are just mediocre and have not been, you know, kneecapped like uh, 
like some of these other schools have been. I, I kind of want to touch on a point that you mentioned earlier about the NFL and just, you know, the fact that maybe this is sustainable just because it's American football, right? And, uh, you know, there's an unsatiated thirst for American football in this country that, you know, there, there will just never be enough. I, I think what the NFL does right, or at least it's like the great con that the NFL pulls annually is that all 32 teams via the draft or via free agency at the beginning of the year, think at least on some level, they have a chance to, you know, contend or make the playoffs or do something better than what they did last year. I'm not sure that there's that same hope in college football. I think you have so many downtrodden programs and it feels like even if you strike it big and get lucky with like a, a good quarterback, what's stopping that quarterback from just transferring the next year to a big time program, right? The, the haves and the have nots in college football, even within the power five, there's so much of a disparity there that I think long-term people are going to get sick and tired of just being playing second fiddle to the big programs. And I, I just don't know if that's sustainable. Maybe with the new 12-team playoff, you know, more teams will feel involved that they can at least contend to make a playoff spot. But even still, John, I just don't think long-term that you can structure a sport how it currently is. I, I, just, I just don't think the competitive balance is there. Yeah, I mean, but that's just the reality of not having a draft. That's what the NFL would be without a draft, right? You know, you're, you're not going to go to Jacksonville or wherever. No, nobody is going to say if they're a star prospect, I, I'm going to go sign up to play at Vanderbilt. And uh, if there was a draft, Vanderbilt would have surely drafted at least one star over the years. And that's just the way it is. I think the 12 team playoff will help, but it's going to be dominated by SEC and Big Ten teams. The, the 12 team playoff is going to be, you know, the maximum number of SEC and Big Ten teams that you can have while still allowing the conference champions of the Big 12, ACC, and Group of Five, the best Group of Five champion. It's going to be those three, and then every other team is going to be from the, again, expanded Big 12, and, or Big 10, I should say, in SEC. So it might not even look necessarily crazy, because you'll say, oh, okay, uh, Washington and Oregon and Ohio State, but they're all in the same conference starting next year, right? Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama, again, they're all in the same conference next year. So it's going to get worse as far as these two conferences hogging all the spotlight. I do think that uh, ultimately there'll only be two conferences and they'll only be the top tier schools. And if you're Florida State, if Florida State had been in the SEC, well, they probably would not have been in the playoff conversation. Let's just be real about it uh, because they probably would have lost a couple of games along the way. I know they went 2-0 and against the SEC this year, but they beat LSU and then they beat you know the North Charleston Logators known as the Florida Gators. Uh, so to me, I... I just don't know that that record is that impressive. They went undefeated, and that should matter. But it is getting to the point where the, the Power Fives are not all equal. You're playing a dramatically tougher schedule in the SEC than in the ACC. And Florida State, you know, Alabama barely beat USF. Very important to keep in mind. Alabama barely beat USF. And Florida State barely beat Boston College, which frankly is not nearly as bad as barely beating USF. But still, I mean, the, the competition level is, is at a point where you're vulnerable at the end of the season to a decision like this. And the ratings conversation, I know you say you're not conspiratorial, but it is, it's a TV show, right? They don't even have 
just football minds here. It's not like it's a bunch of executives. I mean, Condoleezza Rice is in there. Um, I don't think I she is anymore, but she was. She was. Oh, she's not there anymore. I, I, th- I think it's usually just like you agree to a couple years type deal. Uh, I, don't quote me on that, but I don't think she's currently. She was in the room for for this year's. The reality is that it's not. It, it's 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 an entertainment product. The college football playoff is an entertainment product, and unlike the NBA, the NBA can't choose who's in the final four. If the NBA could choose who was in the final four, you would see decisions like this. But college football is the one sport that can choose its final four. College basketball couldn't. That's why they got Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Like that would that's a nightmare uh, from a ratings perspective. And, I mean, the ratings weren't as bad as I think people expected from from that Final Four, but still, I mean, just that's not what you would want going in. Uh, so I, I think the the committee chose with at least some understanding of what would be a better show. Maybe they weren't saying what will be who's the higher rated team. But when you're talking about what's the better game, you're usually talking about what's going to be getting the better rating. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to uh, contend that point because I, I agree. I mean, I think anyone that is looking at this objectively is going to say Alabama is going to give Michigan a better game than Florida State would. I, I don't think that's even a question. It's whether or not that people in that room consciously made a decision based on the entertainment product, which I'm not sure that's the case directly, but um, I'm sure subconsciously it, it certainly played a role. All right, let's move on to the National Football League. Uh, and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have turned into the number one draw in the NFL. They have now played in the five most watched games all season, not including Thanksgiving. So when I say played, because obviously you know, the Rams and Browns played in that same window this week. I mean, featured. I mean, they're in the game that's going to most of the country. So the Eagles have played in the top five of those this season. Uh, They're a bigger draw right now than the Cowboys. And of course, they play the Cowboys this coming week on Sunday Night Football. And I think it's going to be another highly rated game, maybe the highest most watched on, on SNF in a while. One possible fly in the ointment is the fact that Philadelphia lost Badly to San Francisco, taking a little bit of the bloom off the roads. They didn't just lose. They got uh, humbled by the 49ers. 49ers, of course, they had that three-game losing streak. They seem to be back to uh, some level of quality. So for the Eagles, uh, maybe that might slow their role in the ratings somewhat. I don't think so. But uh, they, they it, it, as long as they don't get their derriers kicked again uh, this weekend by Dallas, as long as, as long as it's a close game. Now, Dallas has played in a lot of standalone blowouts this season, a lot. That would not be good. If it's a close game like last week, Thursday night football, close game against Seattle for Dallas, high scoring, most watched Thursday night football game of the two-year-old Amazon era. So I think uh, you could see some 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 big numbers again. The real question, though, is, uh, you know, as we head toward the postseason, uh, what, what is the NFL going to do with all these injuries? Because, I mean, you kind of get the sense at this point, it might just be a matter of time before it's Jalen Hurts' turn, right? I mean, think about all the great quarterbacks we've seen go down this season. Now Trevor Lawrence last night for Taping Tuesday, uh, you know, uh, Joe Burrow. Josh Allen isn't injured, but he sure as heck isn't Josh Allen the same way that we thought. Or maybe he is, actually. I mean, he kind of is, isn't he? The, the problems the Bills are having are all things we were talking about with him 
four years ago. But uh, it, and of course, Aaron Rodgers, who we all forget about, a lot of quarterbacks have gone down, and we're heading toward a postseason that maybe will evoke that that uh, 2017 year where it was what Case Keenum. We talked about this before on the podcast. It was Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, um, obviously Tom Brady, and oh Nick Foles, who yeah. ended up being yeah. Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> right? And that was very similar, you know. Uh, the, uh, what's his face from uh, Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota? Oh, oh, Carson Wentz. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So Carson Wentz, you know, the Eagles were doing great. He got hurt, and it was this big letdown because he tore his ACL. And then you know, Foles came in, and it was great. But you're not going to get that every time. Uh, and uh, certainly, you don't want to be dependent on backup quarterbacks once, not as a team or as a league, once you get to January. So that, to me, is a concern. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I feel like we have this conversation every year around this time. Um, and I think it, I forget what broadcast it was, but they did bring up a stat that in reality, we're, we're pretty much on par or maybe even a little better than what the starting quarterback number at this point of last season was. So like through 13 weeks last season, I think there was actually more different starting quarterbacks than we've seen this season. But it does feel like a lot of the injuries this year have been more high profile. This is a real problem because uh, the NFL, as we all know, is a quarterback driven league. The ratings have kind of dictated that as well. You know, if you look at how the Jets have rated this season compared to, you know, the counterfactual of them having Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by saying that their ratings have disappointed, uh, especially considering how many national window games they've had. I, I did want to get at John. Um, so generally speaking, I think the conventional wisdom with the NFL is that the ratings start out strong. Then in the middle of the season, they kind of take a little bit of a dip and then they come back strong at the end of the season. Uh, has that trend uh, continued this year? Are we starting to see that that apex for the end of the season these last couple of weeks? Well, yeah, I mean, the numbers have certainly heated up uh, in the last two or three weeks. Thanksgiving plays a big role there. But so. Yeah, obviously, uh, you're seeing much stronger numbers uh, down the stretch. The the five largest audiences of the season have all come dating back to November 20th, which was the Eagles and Chiefs. If you want to go back further, uh, the seven largest audiences are all since October 15th, which is a little bit more of a time period, but in the past six weeks, you know, the NFL, you know, it's 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 building to its uh, climactic moment of the season, right? And December is always a great month for ratings if you've got the right teams involved and the schedule works out. So I think uh, it'll be great down the stretch for the NFL. The Bills not being great is not ideal, but they're still good enough. They're in the playoff hunt. You know, uh, certainly they got rid of one of those Patriots games. We talked about the flex possibility. They got rid of that. Uh, very important. And put the Eagles in there. Monday Night Football coming up. Uh, there's still some some dogs like uh, you know New York, Green Bay coming up this week on ABC. I wonder how that will do compared to the Tennessee Miami. Because I mean, there's two games at the same time, and Tennessee Miami is not necessarily the most exciting. But compared to having to uh, sit down in your home and let the New York Giants in there, I mean, come on. So uh, I think, yeah, the NFL. I expect to to have a nice climactic finish uh, and and get to. Uh, so some more really strong numbers the rest of the way. Uh, and, you know, there's still the Christmas games as well. So the Christmas Day slate, John, we have a 
Raiders Chiefs at 1 p.m. Giants Eagles is the 4:30 game, and then to cap it off at night, it is Ravens and 49ers. Yeah, and that's you know a solid lineup. Uh, the Giants, obviously, I'm sure the NBA is quite glad the Giants are there, even though the Eagles are the top draw in the league. New York, assuming it's not a very good game, should give the NBA a little bit of a reprieve with their Lakers-Celtics game. But uh, other than that, very strong lineup. Ravens-Niners could be a, it's a massive game. Uh, that That's an excellent uh, conclusion to that to that lineup. Uh, they have uh, Cowboys-Dolphins the previous night. Christmas Eve is usually bad for ratings, but that's a very tantalizing game. I'm surprised that's not a Christmas game, Cowboys-Dolphins, as opposed to Christmas Eve. Uh, and uh, some other matchups down the stretch. I mentioned Cowboys, Bills, and Eagles, Seahawks in, in week 15. Uh, you have, uh, well, Bengals, Chiefs was supposed to be one of the top games of the year down there in week 17. Obviously, the you know absence of Joe Burrow will be a factor, and uh, that game probably will not do as well as it could have done. Uh, and then, of course, we have no idea what week 18 will bring, really. Uh, so uh, really, I think the games I, I, oh, I'm sorry, week 17, Lions-Cowboys on a Saturday night leading out of the Florida State-Georgia uh, Orange Bowl. So that'll be mm. a nice big, uh, a nice big number, uh, I, even though it's on a Saturday night. Lions-Cowboys is a really good week 17 uh, game there. So uh, there's a few, a few games that I expect to pop the rest of the way. Uh, obviously, the this week with uh, you know Dallas and, and Philadelphia will be quite strong. Bills Chiefs is this week too. The NFL is not playing around this Sunday uh, with uh, some some nice some nice matchups that uh, usually draw. A lot to look forward to the rest of the NFL season. Uh, certainly expecting some big numbers from some of those games, uh, especially as we get later in the season. All right, let's uh let's finish up, John, with some quick hitters. Uh, I know we wanted to talk about the NASCAR meteorites yeah. deal that was signed in the past week. We haven't gotten a chance to discuss that yet on the pod. Uh, so why don't you lead us through how that deal is looking? Well, one of the more interesting, you know, deals that we've seen, and it's interesting because you don't often see so obviously the strain of trying to reach a deal. NASCAR thought they'd be able to announce this in September, but they were having a very difficult time selling that mid-season package of races. They wanted to sell a six-race package because they knew they couldn't just run it back with NBC and, 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 and Fox alone. They needed a third partner, but they could not get the money they wanted from that third partner for a six-race package. So they had to expand it to 10 races, still no takers. So they had to basically, instead of one six-race package, they had to create two five-race packages to get the kind of money they wanted. And the other side of that, NBC and uh, you know Fox I obviously were amenable to cutting back on their inventory. They were going to have reduced inventory anyway. But now you know, you're expanding. That's two extra races you're losing. The very interesting thing to me, those races were taken from the broadcast network portion of the schedule because FS1 and USA Network are not seeing a reduction of any meaningful uh, number in the amount of races they're going to be airing. So Fox and NBC said, okay, we'll give up some races, but they're going to be the races on broadcast. We need those races on cable because without live sports, there's no reason for USA Network or certainly FS1 to even exist. 
So NASCAR has, has created a deal that has marginalized its over-the-year presence like we have not seen since the old days. Fox is going to have just five races a year. Now, NASCAR and Fox, it's not the NBA and NBC. It's not Monday Night Football, but it is in that neighborhood, right? NASCAR and Fox. And, you know, they're going to be down to five races on Big Fox. That, that's bad if you're NASCAR. That's not, you, you, you know, five races, six if you include the clash at the LA Coliseum, the preseason event. But that to me is, is a big blow because those Fox races still sustain the season. Uh, and uh, then NBC with four in the back half of the season. They, they, you know, they air pretty much, what, six straight, seven straight to end the season usually. So now you're going to be seeing a lot of those races down the stretch of the season uh, that are on USA. It'll basically be what happened toward the end of the ESPN era with NASCAR, where ESPN was originally ESPN would have six races and then ABC would have all the rest all the way to the season finale. Then at around 2011 or so, they changed it to where ABC was hardly airing any races at all, and they were almost all on ESPN. And now NASCAR is right back to where it was. I know that NASCAR wants these races on broadcast TV because, I mean, I think they've been open about that. But in order to get the money they want, they had to sacrifice reach for money, right? In order to get the, 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 the rights fee that they wanted. So what does that mean for everybody? Well, one, it means the networks are still prioritizing their cable outlets over broadcast television. They're still prioritizing cable. And everyone has overlooked cable. It's all broadcast TV and over the air. Well, if the networks want cable, then they'll be cable, right? I mean, the networks are the ones paying all this money. So to me, if you look at, say, the NBA, we all assume ESPN will keep the rights. We also assume the NBA will have a greater broadcast TV presence. Maybe a year ago, if this deal was being negotiated, the NBA would have had more of a say in that regard. But if it turns out, that the NBA has less of a broadcast TV presence in the New Deal. I hope that doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be stunned. The leagues are not in a great position vis-a-vis -vis the networks as far as clout right now. Uh, you know, I do think that the NBA will still get its money if NASCAR got a 40% increase in rights. With its ratings being what they are, uh, then yeah, I, I, I think the NBA will... I mean... I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign my life away betting this, but my expectation is still that the NBA will at least double its current rights fee. If NASCAR could get a 40% increase, then, I mean, what are we talking about, right? But the NBA is going to have to sacrifice more to get that done. In, that, in, the, in the 2014 rights deal, the NBA didn't give ESPN or Turner really much of anything. They gave him a few more regular season games. That was it. There were no new packages. You know, there was nothing exciting. It was, you're going to keep everything you already have, but you're going to pay us way, way more. And that was the way things were in 2014. Well, the NBA, I think, is still going to get paid way, way more, but they're going to have to give up a lot to get there. They're going to have to be splitting, you know, game inventory off. I mean, that's why the in-season tournament exists. They're going to have to be finding new packages that they can sell. Uh, and uh, just like NASCAR, they were going to sell one package of five or uh, six races. They ended up having to sell two packages of five because that's where the industry is right now. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to 
uh, argue for NASCAR's sake that this is good for the growth of their sport. I mean, we've seen every league is trying to innovate in some ways to grow their sport. And, you know, we've, we've seen with NASCAR this past season, you know, they're doing street races in Chicago. You know, they're they're doing a race in the L.A. Coliseum. Um, they're trying to do things that drum up interest. And and then, you know, obviously you got to do what you got to do when it comes to the meteorites deal. But to take such a large portion of their inventory off of broadcasts and put it onto these cable networks. Um, I mean, you're going to know better than anyone, John. This is this is going to be catastrophic for their for their viewership numbers. I mean, that I don't know how you even get a good press release out of this new deal. When uh you know you have races on different streaming platforms, they're on FS1, it's USA. You know only five races on Fox, four on NBC. Like what? What good is going to come of this long term when you know you're you're ostracizing your viewers by by splitting up your inventory as you did, and you know not everyone's going to have access to every race. People are going to stop caring. I mean, I I think that is the crux of things. Uh, it's it's just going to be harder to follow the sport. So. As you said, you're sacrificing the reach for revenue, but I mean, long term, I'm not not sure how this will play. Um, you do bring up an interesting point with the NBA, though. That everyone's expected that their broadcast presence will go up. I still think it it's likely that it'll at least maintain, if not go up, for the sole reason that aside from the college football playoff, yeah, the NBA is really the only game in town now. They're the only major sports right on the market. So any of these traditional media companies, these legacy media companies that feel like they need to bolster their live sports portfolio, the NBA is really all that's left. Yeah, being the big fish. You know, the NBA is a property that can make your network or break it in its absence. ESPN will not be able to sufficiently recover from losing the NBA. That's why we all know ESPN will not lose the NBA. The NBA is right there with the NFL in that regard, and maybe, not maybe, but more so than baseball and hockey and even, well, I wouldn't say all of college football, because ESPN with no college football would be in some deep, deep trouble. But certainly with college football, you can lose some rights, not all the rights, but you can lose some of them and you'll be fine. So, you know, for, you know, that's one of the reasons why the NBA should still make its money. NASCAR is just a nice little thing to have. The NBA is an existential thing to have. Um, but yes, yeah, so I do think that the next deal don't count on it being some great return to the 1990s because, you know, I don't think David Zaslav is ready to shut down TNT yet. And granted, TNT would survive the loss of the NBA in the near term. But a TNT that doesn't have the NBA isn't going to be spending the money to keep the NHL. The NHL doesn't make sense. You can't anchor your network, Right. So a TNT that loses the NBA is a TNT that will be out of the sports game and no longer existing within a decade. So uh, I, I do think that, uh, you know, you'll see the NBA do well, but they're going to have to get creative to do it. And the cable networks are going to be a factor. Uh, they're going to have to split the rights a million ways to get the money they want. And they, they wouldn't have had to do that maybe even last year. But, you know, the same thing that, Get, help them out in 2014, which was being so separated from the other leagues' rights deals that they were the only game in town. So in 2014, when FS1 came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden ESPN and Turner are, are frightened of the competition, 
the NBA was able to benefit from that. That same go it alone thing for the NBA is going to hurt him this time. Not necessarily financially, but in terms of not getting the kind of deal that they might have otherwise been able to get. All right, that seems like a good place to end it, John. Uh, why don't you close us out here? That'll do it for the SMW podcast this week. We'll be back next week with more sports media talk. Thanks. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.